My name is James Anderson. I'm the chairman and CEO of Guanajuato Silver Company. And we're here this morning talking with Matthew Gordon at the Crux Investor. Um, our company is in the final stages of refurbishing a mill which will produce silver and gold concentrate. That's our plan. Uh, by the end of this year, we are on track, on budget, and on time uh, to fulfill that uh, that desire. And um, we're making very, very, very good progress in central Mexico and Guanajuato. Fantastic. Good to have you back on, James. Hope you're well. Uh, I like that. On, on time and on budget. Can't ask for anything more than that, can we? I uh, know. Well, that's you know, there's a lot of moving parts to putting a mill back online. And um, you know, as I was saying just before we started the uh, the interview. Uh, you know, the, for the last few months, I've I, you know woken up early and a little bit worried that we would get some kind of bad news and that would delay things. That hasn't been the case, and uh, uh, everything is going according to Gantt charts and our um, and our financial model. Fantastic. Okay, so you think things are going well? You got yourself a nice uh, swanky new office there. I see. In fact, I've been that, to that, that bar. I've been to that bar behind you. I recognize it. Maloney's. Yeah, you can get a, a good pint of beer back there. Yeah, we're. Um, because of the whole COVID situation, when we started looking for office space for the company about four months ago, um, the landlords at that time uh, didn't think that people would ever come downtown to downtown Vancouver ever again. So we have managed to get a spectacular deal on some very nice office space in Vancouver. So uh, we we didn't have to pay very much more for this than for a B, for a B building. So uh, we figured we'd do this. What's a B building? I don't know what that is. Well, the land, the landlords, the the real, the commercial real estate people uh, in Canada, anyway, they rate the buildings A, B, and C, and you know. So if you're th th this would justify itself to be an A building. You know, we were looking at some B space, but we didn't have to pay any more for this. So oh, that's I got excited there. I I, I keep B's. I thought that I thought it was something the Canadians had that we didn't. <laughs> the B <laughs> building. Not like <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, um, I want to. I want to get stuck into um, what, what you've been up to because obviously there's. Um, you've you put a silver gold facility in in place, and you just raised some money when we last spoke back in April. So I do want to talk about that one, but I also quite appreciate your view on the macro. So. Gold and silver have had a bit of a kicking in June. Uh, what's going on? What, what's the hope for the future? I guess my view, um, the 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 best the best way to illustrate my view is that I think this is perfect bull market action, and it's perfect bull market action because the bull markets like to go up with as few people aboard as possible. And if you if you think about the um, the hysteria of the last few months. Where people are, you know, can't believe that the precious metals have pulled back a little bit. Um, silver spent most of the last decade at somewhere between fourteen and sixteen dollars. It's twenty-six. It's a good price. Uh, do I think it's going higher? I do, for a, a number of the other macroeconomic reasons and reasons that are specific to the silver market. You look at the price of gold. Same thing. I mean, it, gold has spent most of the last decade. In the $1,300 range, it's $1,800 after touching $2,000 and $1,900. Um, the gold stocks, let's look at Barrick. That's always you know, a, a favorite bellwether of mine. That stock was $40. Canadian, I always look at it in the Canadian market. But it was $40 last August. It's about $26 right now. That's a significant pullback. But like the way that the stock market works, nobody nobody ever enjoys when the stocks are on sale. Everybody likes it when tomatoes are half price, 
but nobody likes it when the stocks are half price. So you get to buy Barrick at 26 rather than 40 and with gold at, at $1,800. So uh, I think that the, the current market affords intelligent investors and speculators an opportunity to enter new names, different names, broaden their portfolio at good prices. Right. It's, yes. Well, okay. I, I, I buy a lot of what you're saying there. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what it's going to do for a lot of the junior stocks. Are things going to just shake out a little bit? Do we see this moving sideways for the rest of this year? What's your thoughts? I think that we're not. I think that the, that the market is separating the wheat from the chaff in the junior market. And I think that we had a, you know, a, a very excited market um, for a good portion of last year where a lot of money came into the sector and it was not particularly discerning. It went into a lot of different names that in the fullness of time, I think people kind of scratched their heads and, and said, well, what, what is this project all about anyway? There's a lot of people in our business and uh, occasionally... Uh, I do this as well. You know, we, we invest and then we do the research. Um, and that's that's not a very good strategy. Uh, but when when that happens uh, in, a, in a fast, passionate, hot market like we had last year, um, th- there are things that, you know, perhaps don't have the, the underlying value that one would want in an investment. And ultimately the market shows us that. Yeah, I, I, I think it will. I think it will. I think, I, I, and, and what I know for sure is that lessons will be learnt and lessons will be forgotten and we'll move on again. 100%. There is nothing so short as the human financial memory. <laughs> right. Well, we better, we better not stray into an area where we'll get, we'll, we'll get letters sent in. Um, right, let, let's, let's talk about you and what you've been up to since um, April. Obviously, so you, you raised a bit of money, so you had some money in the bank, but you've also gone and put a silver-gold loan facility together, together for about $7.5 bucks. Have you drawn down on it yet? We have not. And just, just to circle back about the money that we raised and the money in the bank, uh, a lot of people in our business um, think that money raised is money in the bank. Uh, not when you're buying a past producing 1500 ton a day mill and mine in central Mexico. We had to pay Endeavor Silver, uh, who is our largest shareholder now, uh, a significant amount of money of that money. So we raised, and I hate to always go back and forth between Canadian and US dollars, but that's the way that it is. Uh, we, we raised 17 million Canadian. We had to pay seven and a half million US dollars, which is about 10 to Endeavor. And we had to pay 16% of the entire $15 million purchase price in Mexican value added tax, the Mexican government. We will get that money back um, through, through production, but, but that's a cash flow. Okay, so what's the, what, what's the net at the moment then? The net in our treasury? Yeah. Five million Canadian dollars. Five million bucks. Okay, so you, you, you're in the last, I guess, reading through, you seem to be in the last nine yards to use an Americanism, um, you're starting, you, you bought the things that you need now. You need to just put them together in the, in the right order because you're promising, as I read, to get into production by Q4 this year. So how are you getting on with that? Um, we are on track, on time, and on budget. And uh, it's, a, it's a mantra not only for, for us and for investors, but it's a mantra for me when I'm speaking to my partners in Mexico. Uh, I'm going to be in Guanajuato. I, I leave on the 30th, so I'll be there for another two or three weeks, um, starting you know kind of first of August. And when I was there in May, you know, every morning we we kept saying 
you know, okay, so are there any issues? Are there any problems? October 1st, like, are we, you know, are we on track? And the answers back are always, yeah, yeah, I think we can get there. Everybody's sober and, and looking at these things. Uh, let me just circle back uh, to a couple of points from a second ago. So 5 million Canadian in the Treasury now. We have not drawn down the uh, silver and gold loan facility, but that will happen within the next couple of weeks. Uh, normalized to Canadian dollars, that's another 9.2 million Canadian dollars in the Treasury. So we'll have about 14 million bucks left to finish the refurbishment of the, of the mill and to do any development work that we're doing uh, to be able to put more faces in sight and ready for production at El Cubo. So all of that, you know, is, is ready. And, um, you know, we, we, ha we have not had any great surprises. I'll make one more point. All of that money is in place after we buy uh, the, the larger lead item material or the larger lead items um, that we had to purchase, including a tertiary crusher. We ended up buying two crushers. We got a good deal on, on a used one, and we, we sourced another very well-priced brand new one uh, from the United States. Those are both on-site um, and you know ready to be installed in, in exactly the spot where we want. Okay, so um, we, we talked, I think, last time about the, the PEA. Just remind me of some of the, the base numbers on that, if you don't mind. Of the PEA, right? So Bear Go Bear looked at it as a, as a joint operation between El Cubo and El Pinguico. They're only eight kilometers by road away mm -hmm. from each other, and we will develop in, in tandem. But 90% of the resources come from El Cubo. We've got 7 million ounces of silver equivalent in the indicated category and 20 million ounces of silver equivalent in inferred. Okay. Okay. And, what and I will just note because it's a PEA, everything stays in the indicated and inferred um, categories. Um, but nonetheless, there is material that was blasted and exists at the bottom of open stopes at El Cubo, which is good grade and ready for, you know, almost immediate mining once we, once we turn the mill on. And so what, what were the economics though associated with that? So, so some of the economic parameters that Bear Gold Bear suggests, um, $9.42 is our operational costs per silver equivalent ounce. They don't give us an all-in sustaining cost, which I think is fair given the nature of, of the thing. And I, I don't think that we will comment on all in sustaining costs probably for 12 months. Um, I, I think it would be um, unrealistic of us to be able to suggest that we that we will be able to identify all of those costs right now. Okay, so you, you, you've got some cash, a couple more things to, to acquire, but no, no, no great outlay. You, you, you understand some of the economics here, but for, for me looking in here, I'm trying to work out how quickly does this thing ramp up? Are you going to need to come back to the market for cash? And when, when and if that does, does this thing become self-sustaining in, in that sense as it stands today? Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, again, you know, I, I have to be careful about making too many forward-looking statements re regarding just that. But we, we ramp up starting in the fourth quarter by, um, by the late spring or summer of next year. Um, we get to cash flow positive. Um, you know, the, um, the EBITDA, in, these are internally generated numbers. I just want to stress that, right? But, you know, EBITDA looks like, you know, we ramp up to, to 12 to $15 million a year. Right. Okay. Okay. So what, why I'm asking this question, I want to show, there's so many companies out there 
all saying the same thing. The, what you've got that sort of you know puts you in the sort of the 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 upper decile would be the fact you're getting into production. There will be cash flow. You'll be cash generative. But I'm trying to understand that the scale of what I'm getting into, and then you know obviously you've got two projects there. But the kind of so what bit was how does this thing grow? It's 100 million bucks today. Are people going to give you credit or value for producing 10, 12 million bucks a year, or is this a kind of steady state cash machine and you know whatever you decide to do with that? What are we building? Yeah, we've changed the name of the company to Guanajuato Silver for a couple of different reasons. But one of those reasons is because the the 480-year-old mining camp of Guanajuato, um, in our estimation, um, has an enormous number of different um, uh, possibilities to enable our company to grow. And I think if you look at, at where we've taken the company in the last 12 months, which I think is, is fairly remarkable in terms of us having a eight or $10 million market cap to an 80 or $100 million market cap, raising the money that we've done and, and, and not just raising the money, but, but putting that money into a productive uh, mining operation. Um, that's the trajectory that we continue to be on. So um, in terms of ramping up the, the operation, we may well have 22,000 tons per month going through that mill for the first number of months, but we fully intend to be able to be in a position to ramp up to 29 to 35,000 tons a month as we go into 2022. And that material can come from Penguico as we're again developing in situ material, but also accessing that underground stockpile. It can also come from a number of different other sources, privately owned, in the Guanajuato area that are stranded, that don't have a, a mill facility, that don't have permits or a tailing facility. You know, we, we can do good business by expanding the, the, the company that way. Right, but tolling is not a, it's not the business you're in. You're, you're in the business of mining and, and making money from, from, from mining. Tolling other people's stuff is, is a nice interim solution. So I, I get that you're, you're not plant constrained, you're ore constrained. What are you going to do about growing your, your own position, stuff that you're in control of? Because, you know, t- I'm not sure how many mills are in the vicinity or the districts. You know, are you one of many options to people? Yeah, well, wh- one of the things that uh, interested me about the Guanajuato area when I first went there is that there were four mills in the area and not one of them was fully utilized. And I thought, okay, well, that's, that is a recipe for consolidation. If you look at the other players in the area, um, and I, well, okay, let's just look at the other players in the area and I'll, I'll, um, I'll give you my take on it. Um, Great Panther, um, they are focused in Brazil. Endeavor, which has the Bolinitos operation, which is working really, really well for them uh, to the north, but they just left one of their operations in Guanajuato. Um, so that says something. Fresneo, Fresneo ultimately owns, I think it's seven past producing mines in the Guanajuato area, right? So between us and Fresneo, it's kind of neck and neck right now in terms of who owns the most mining claims. Well, Fresneo is the world's largest mining company. And Fresneo has a historical interest in Guanajuato. But I think that realistically, the mines of Guanajuato being very good grade, but kind of narrow, 
I don't know that they can affect the bottom line of a 10 billion pound market cap company. So without drawing too many conclusions, you can see, I think that there are numerous opportunities for Guanajuato Silver being a company that is focused, that has good partners on the ground, in not, not just in central Mexico, but right in Guanajuato. I think there's going to be all kinds of opportunities that present themselves for us in the future, but we don't want to get, you know, the mining companies can burn themselves out uh, quickly. You know, we, we've got, we, we need to be very, very focused on getting El Cubo back up in operation and into positive cash flow as quickly as possible. So we've seen a few companies come on here and they've, they've, they've um, found ways of creating short-term revenue or steady, consistent revenue, should I say. Not, not significant, just consistent, which kind of helps with GNA and helps with a few acquisitions of, for, of equipment and, and, and that sort of thing. But they've had a bigger game plan. They've had a bigger game plan to expand districts um, by drilling, you know, 10,000 meters a month. That, you know, it's really, really going for it here. You're saying your version of that is potentially some good deals to be had, some M&A to be had, or some farmings, or however these conversations with Great Panther Endeavor or, or others um, may go, you think you can see a bit more of that on the horizon. But what do you need to get done first before you can start those conversations or are those conversations which you can begin now? Well, I think I think the, the thing that we need to get done before we can you know, have, have any fruition with conversations like that is to have El Cubo up and running and have it in, <coughs> pardon me, have it in a cash flow positive you know, situation. The market will, will treat us differently. Um, other companies who we're speaking with will look at us and treat us differently. We'll, we'll just have more, more moxie in the, in the marketplace. Um, I don't want to suggest that we're not an exploration company. We, we purchased our own drill rig. Uh, things have been a little bit slow in terms of putting news out because of the assay situation. All, you know, that's, that's a truism all over North America. But the first 10 drill holes that we put out, the first 10 that have ever been drilled really uh, at Penguico, they were pretty good. Um, you know, narrow, but very good grade. So we are immediately from the first 10 drill holes putting, putting in sight a, an, in, uh, an in situ resource, right? And the, as, as early as December or January, we may well commission a, a third party to give us a, a resource estimate there, which again, I think is much, much faster than most of our competitors out there can have the ability to do. Okay, it's a resource by December. Right, okay, so, so coming back to money then, um, is the current financial situation gonna enable you to do some of that exploration or are you gonna be going out to market? Yes. It will, okay. Yes, that, that's, that's budgeted the-, the Okay, uh, how many meters? I think we've got five holes out for assay right now at Pinguico. Right. The drill that we bought, it's, you know, it's small. It's a little slow, but it fits underground at Pinguico. And it pretty much runs five days a week, 12 hours a day. And, you know, away, away we go. Um, and I, I like that. There's a lot of folks in our business who always talk about aggressive drill programs. To me, aggressive drill programs mean very expensive drill programs which may, you know, you might be drilling holes that you're not necessarily sure that you want to drill. We get to be able to look at a, a whole bunch of the data be, in, a, in, a, in a thoughtful manner before we move on. We are um, shopping around for another drill right now that we need at, um, at El Cubo. Um, there's all kinds of different places to drill. 
both from an infill standpoint, because we need to make sure that we've got 36 months of material in front of us, ready to be mined at El Cubo, but also from an exploration standpoint. I can tell you that the in, in this region, most of the veins, most of the big controlling vein systems run uh, southwest, southeast, northwest. But there's transverse veins at 90 degrees to that all over the um, district. It's certainly true at El Cubo. They're usually gold rich as opposed to silver rich. And they have been um, underexplored and underexploited in the El Cubo system. So we've got a, a lot in front of us that we can explore in the years ahead. So, so how, have you got a mine? Have you got a mine plan laid out? Because you know, you, you know, obviously, yeah. Whether you call it aggressive drilling or smart drilling, exploration drilling, I should say, um, you've you've got to. And you said you, know, you need as many faces open as possible, and it's all good. But you've got to have your exploration, your development, and the feed because you've got to feed the beast, right? You've got to right. feed that. You've got to plan this all out. So, what what is the mining plan as laid out? Because you, you're starting from a slightly unconventional position in, in, in many ways. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the mine plan, well, first of all, uh, we have a very detailed mine plan now for the first 18 months of operation. Uh, and our mine planners, a lot of which um, we've hired, you know, people who had worked at El Cubo in the past. And one of, one of the, the chaps, uh, Carlos Ortiz, Charlie, um, you know, it, it took him a little while before he figured out that we wanted him to look at the mine planning a little bit differently than he'd done at, at Endeavor, right? I mean, human nature, you, you do something for five years and you, you go, you know, that's, that's what you do. So it took him a little while to, to change that, but I'll, I'll give, um, uh, I'll give your viewers just a, a brief understanding, hopefully, about, about what that looks like, about the, the changes in the way that we're looking at Kubo as opposed to Endeavor. So Endeavor built for about 40 million bucks, this mill in, in 2013, after paying $200 million for the asset, right? So they built a 1500 ton a day mill. So they wanted 1500 tons a day continually through the, through the, through the mill. Um, their computerized models were generally looking at 2.4 meters of vein material as a minimum mining width to be able to put through the, 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 the mill. Okay, so that's great. There's one area in particular that we're focusing on right now, where in the computer model, if you look at it at 2.4 meters, the grade's good in this area, it's not spectacular. So if you do, if you look at the meter and a half wide vein, because that's what it actually is, but take it over 2.4 meters, the material ducks under cutoff grade and so it doesn't show up in a computer model. As soon as we're looking at it and a whole bunch of our, you know, re-engineering of how we want to look at, at the mining at El Cubo. As soon as we look at it as what it is, which is a meter and a half wide vein, the grade goes up significantly and all of those tons show up in a computerized model and are available for mining. And I, I drove underground to those spaces in May they are readily available for us. We're going to try and be very focused. We're not going to, we, you know, we don't, in, in terms of number of faces, we don't want to be working at seven different places uh, at El Cubo right now. We want to be working at two or three only and be very focused about drawing that material. We can, we can drill and do exploration and do some development work in other places in anticipation of mining that in year three, in year four, in year five, 
but we want to be very focused about where where we're going you know, in the, in the months ahead. Okay, so coming back to the economics uh, component, so when can we expect to understand how efficient you're being? Because it's about being efficient, right? You're making money and you, okay, we we'll get into production in, in Q4 at some point. Uh, economics, you might understand a little bit more because you'll have optimized, let, let's say, by the end of Q1. Is that is that when we can expect to hear whether this is working or not? Because you know you're chasing yeah, narrow so. grain, narrow and, fans, and I right? Think, yeah, I, th I think so, and I, I think that people should expect a ramp up in a number of different things. We'll be ramping up in terms of numbers, number of tons, certainly, but we'll also be ramping up in terms of grain. Um, your listeners will will remember that you know a lot of the material for the first month or two comes from that. Uh, above ground stockpile at Pinguicum. It's easy. It's right there. We put it, get a front end loader, put it in the back of a 20 ton truck, drive it eight kilometers. So we can put it through the mill. But most of that material is about 100 to 110 grams of silver equivalent. So it's low grade. And, and on our, on our production graphs, you know, basically the, 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 you know, you start here and go down this way in terms of Pinguico material. You start here and work up this way on Kubo material. So we'll be ramping that up. That will enhance the grade. Uh, we will also, the, 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 the transition that we'll be making. So Endeavor, Endeavor was mining this with much more um, mechanized mining techniques. We will not instantaneously, because that, that just doesn't work that way. But over a period of time, we'll be using much more selective mining techniques and taking that meter and a half wide vein and leaving the dilution, you know, where 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 it should be, right? Which is which is in the mind. Okay, so I'm just and again, I just want to kind of manage my expectations, my market expectations, and sense of the the first couple of quarters is about optimizing the process, the the machinery, just making sure it works. Okay, I get the you know of lower grade uh, stockpile at surface. You talked about some stockpile sitting at the bottom of some of these. Um, do you say stopes or were they ramps? I can't remember. Stopes. Stopes, right. Okay. So do you know, I know they're not necessarily in any, any uh, inferred numbers, but do you have any size of quantum we're dealing with there? I mean, does anyone work that out? Oh, like, like the stuff that's been blasted? Yeah. 10 to 20,000 tons. Okay. So. Right. Right. So, bit. I mean, it, it, it just gets you started. But in terms of the, the you know, number of tons that we're finding, um, in terms of a quantum, and again, you know, I, I want to caution everybody, like th this is not discussed in the PEA. These are internal things. Um, but, but where, where we were viewing 30 to 40,000 tons in the previous computer model, we can see 250,000 tons. Right. Right. So it's a very, very uh, different way to look at it. And it's counterintuitive because you would think that taking a, a smaller width that you'd be having less tons, right? But with the smaller width, you you constrain where the grade is, and then all of a sudden there's more tons. And it's and this is this stuff. This is material that's being drilled. Okay, this isn't yeah, yeah. You know, hypothetical stuff. This is being this is being drilled um, by Endeavor, you know, in a in a systematic fashion. 
Okay, so the, with the underground stockpile, just a quick question. The underground, underground stockpile is, it, you're not going to have to spend any additional monies in terms of creating new shafts or any kind of structural reinforcement or any kind of additional expense which you haven't factored in just to access it. It's just there and it's easy to remove. The material that we're talking about at, at Kubo? Yeah. Correct. Got it. Okay. Correct. I, and I just, I just want to make the distinction, you know, that, that large underground stockpile at Penguico. That's a little different. We will have to spend development money in order to access it safely. And we're still debating internally about where that should be within the mine plan. But you right now, that's budgeted first, that. that first eight, that's budgeted. Sorry? That's budgeted. I, yeah, well, it Broadly, is because it it's a broad number. Randomly budgeted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and it certainly makes sense to go and get it. In the current mine plan, that does not make it into mill feed. In the first 18 months. Okay. Just so you know. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Mexico. So, um, <laughs> a few discussions going on with a few, uh, miners with the Mexican government. Um, it, 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 well, disagreements, I could put it. Plus, you've also had the Mexican government, uh, give control to the, uh, national oil company. I removed control from an Amer American. Uh, oil company in the in the with the project in the Gulf of Mexico, is the Mexican government flexing its muscles any more than normal? Should we read anything into it? Yeah, I think we should. Uh, I think that the Mexican government is flexing its muscles more than normal. I think that the Mexican government um, is a populist socialist government, and and the, so the the way the, the way that I view that, you know, they're. They're not philosophically socialist. They're just socialists because they think that they can get more votes that way, right? But it's but it's quite a left-leaning national government. It's not it's not a particularly left-leaning. None of few of the states are run by left-leaning politicians, but the national government certainly is. Um, but I do like to point out that the government of the United States of America is now run by people who, by any by any definition, worth defining are pretty left wing. Um, certainly the socialists in charge of the Canadian government are about as left wing as any Canadian government ever since Confederation. And I think that that's true in many Western countries right now. The, the, the thing is, is that every Western government, every Western government is broke. And so they're going to have to decide a few things and most of them are scrambling around trying to figure out where to, to get revenue. It's a little bit different if you're in Britain or in the United States because you have a currency that you can print up and there are, there are generally people who are interested in holding and maintaining that currency. It's not necessarily true of Mexican pesos. So we do have to shed a tear for our Mexican political brothers who have to balance or have to <laughs> suggest that at some time in the future they might be able to balance a budget. So yeah, th these are these are challenges that I think that are in place everywhere. On balance, though, if you're in the mining business and you want to be in the precious metals mining business, if you want to be in the, if you want to be the precious metal mining business and be silver centric, Mexico is still best. Why do you, why do you, why do you, why do you say that? Why do you, why why do you say that? The the ease of permitting, the ease the the. The um, historical presence of mining all through central Mexico, the love of mining among, amongst the majority, that might not be true of, of Almo, the president, but the love of mining 
Um, and the, the desire to have good business and to have people employed in good paying jobs, uh, it runs right through Mexican most of Mexican society. And it certainly runs through that central Mexican mining district. Where, where, where we are. So it's not going to impact you. You've, you've no, no concerns either federally or at state level in Mexico about doing business. Well, I, I, I guess I would just state it differently. I mean, do I have concerns about it? Yeah, I'm the CEO of Guanajuato Silver. And yeah, I have concerns all the time. You know, I, I, I worry for a living, right? That's, that's, what, that's what I do. If, if, you're not, if you're not worried, you're not paying attention. Um, but I, but I would suggest that, you know, if we were doing business in, you know, I, my previously, I, I was involved in a project in Nevada for seven and a half years. Well, the, the, the problems, the constraints in the Western United States are well illustrated. Um, where, where else can we go to do mining business? Um, in the different regions and provinces in Canada, there are ample challenges. Uh, in every jurisdiction, and these, are, and I'm, I, I just pick the best jurisdictions to compare Mexico to. I could certainly, you know, pick on some of the the lesser mining jurisdictions. Okay, so talking talking things like uh, that keep you awake at night. Uh, are you going to be able to, able to hire enough people to actually work at this mill to work in your mine? Because it's getting tight out there, isn't it? I, well, I think we will, and I think we can. I, we, we've hired about 120 people so far. We will be doing. We will be hiring a number of contract miners. You know, in this in this ramp up process that 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 we've got, um, but I, I can't emphasize enough the the desirability of doing business in Guanajuato. It's not like trying to hire people, you know, uh, 150 kilometers north of Whitehorse in the Yukon, right? Um, the, Guanajuato is a very nice city. It's got a wonder. It's got a lovely climate. There's about 150,000 people that live there, and there's a whole bunch of mining that takes place in the area. So as we've been studying CVs and doing interviews over the last few months, the response generally, you know, when, when we ask people who live in Chihuahua or in Sonora, if, the, if they're the right person for that job, and we say, well, you know, what would you think about coming to Guanajuato? The response is, okay, great. When can I start? I mean, it's it's known it's known as a as a lovely place to to go and visit and vacation. Uh, you know, there's there's a genuine um, tourist trade that goes on. Okay, yeah, and and you're one of your new directors, Ramon Davila. Uh, Davila, I can't pronounce it. Davila. Davila. Tomato. Tomato. <laughs> Sorry. Well, well, you got you got you got me mispronouncing it. Ramon Davila. 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 Okay, cool. Well, he's he's he went to university there, didn't he? Correct, and he went to university there with Gerardo Dorado, who's our country manager. Probably fifty percent, probably fifty percent of the people who we've hired are university graduates from the University of Guanajuato. It's a it's a famous mining university in in Mexico. On the back of the the of the Mexican five hundred peso note is the is the old building, the University of Guanajuato, and it, it's a beautiful building. Like many universities, there's a whole bunch of different buildings that are scattered through the city now. Um, but that's kind of the, the marquee old building. Yeah, no, I, um, we were looking. We were looking at some of the photos when we were doing a bit of research. It looked, uh, looked quite nice area. Um, let me let me just finish off on exploration. I wanted to because we we tossed upon it earlier, and I 
I kind of feel that you getting into production is a really massive step because it's a differentiator and there is some cash flow in itself as it stands today. Fine. But you, to show that scale, we've talked about maybe some M&A opportunities, maybe, depending on what other people do, but the bit you control is the expiration. So you've talked in the past about Veta Madre. Uh, you've talked about you've got one drill, you're getting a second drill in. Do you feel you're kind of constraining the expiration a little bit until you get production going? Or do you think you're happy to go at this kind of steady state going forward? Yeah. So uh, that, that's a really great question. There's only so many things that our size company can do at once. Otherwise, we will fail at all of them. Um, about three or four months ago, um, Hernan and I had a not not really an argument, but a, a you know a, a, an intense discussion about you know where we were going to apply some of our some of our resources. And as a mining engineer and mo moving El Cubo back into production, he he felt that we should basically curtail all of our exploration for the time being. And I said no. I said absolutely not. We are, we are, we always have to be an exploration company. That has to be part of our DNA. And so, although there's a number of different exploration, you know, possibilities and ideas that we want to be able to explore in the future, we can't do all of those at once, but we are continuing to drill holes in an, into an exploration project. And that's what Pinguico is. The fact that it's got a couple of these stockpiles around, you know, that's, it makes it into kind of a hybrid. But Pinguico is very much an exploration project, and the results that we've got from our first dozen drill holes, uh, I, I think are you know very very good. Um, uh, what else? There was one more point that I was gonna, that I was going to make in in that, and I yeah I can't remember. Maybe it'll pop into my brain here in a second. Oh, Beta Madre. You you mentioned Beta Madre, uh, and and I you know I feel um, like I should comment on that for your listeners. Certainly, we've been talking about it for a long time to the point where people can say, well, how, how come those guys aren't drilling that thing? Um, when we had planned to drill it even a little bit earlier this year, and then the El Cubo purchase came up. And because we've got, as part of that purchase, we've got this additional claim that's a postage stamp claim that's ad directly adjacent to Pinguico and is in the exact perfect spot to drill the Veta Madre from our ground. So when we realized that we were going to buy that claim along with the El Cubo purchase, the, our plans to drill um, Veta Madre kind of went on hold for a little while. At this current time, additionally, right beside that claim, and even some of the old maps would suggest that, that it crosses just the corner of that claim, is a 30-year-old attic that Fresnillo put in when they were mining directly adjacent to us. If we can access that attic and drill holes from that attic down into the, the Veta Madre, for starters, in order to follow it lower down and see where the, the confluence of the Pinguico system and Veta Madre is, that would be perfect. So we have made that request from our friends at, at Fresneo. It's a very large company. It takes them six months to order pizza. Um, you know, I, I can I can think that it may well take us a, a few more months to either to get an answer, to work out the details. We'll wait long enough so that if we can, if we can do that, it would be really, really helpful. If we can't, then we'll, we'll start drilling from surface, you know, in the next few months. So I, I'm an explorationist at heart. I want to drill that thing. I find that very exciting. Um, but, but 
if we have to put it off for a few months in order to drill it more effectively, then we will. Beautiful. Like James, like, thanks, for, thanks for the catch up. I'm, I'm hearing production Q4. I'm hearing possible resource uh, as well. And exploration is still very much uh, part of the plan going forward. But first things first. Correct. And we, you know, we have to keep our eyes on the prize. The moment that material is going through that mill, I believe, I believe things will change for us. I think that instantaneously, people will view Guanajuato silver differently. 